Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome their own life's challenges and made our world better. People who have taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host. Thank you for joining me. Welcome, Jen, to the Lemonade Stand. I am so excited to be able to talk to you and get to know all about you and what you are doing. So start by telling me three things about yourself. I am currently the director of the Mrs. Utah America and Miss Utah for America pageants. Um, I'm a mom of four and I am a spouse, a military spouse that my husband is getting ready to retire from the military as of July 1st. He will be a free man for the first time in 21 years. So it's an exciting time. That's amazing. Well, kudos to you for supporting for 20 years. That's amazing. So thank you and thank him for all of his service. That's incredible. Well, awesome. Well, I wonder what your lemon to lemonade story is because I know that you're the director of this pageant, which there's got to be a story why you do that. I don't know if there's something else you want to share. (laughs) There's a lot of, you know, I, I kind of joke that a lot of times I get into these situations by accident. That's how I landed in this position. It wasn't necessarily something that I was seeking out. I did the pageant on a whim while my husband was deployed the second time. I had three tiny little kids and I was like, yeah, he's going to be home for mid tour leave. Why not? Let's, let's go ahead and do it. And so I, competed. Um, I was the third runner up and I thought I'm never doing that again. That was fantastic, but great. I'm moving on. And here we are 10 years later, I'm directing it. I have a wonderful business partner that we have a lot of fun doing it. And it's been a, it's been an interesting thing to try and create a community of women year after year that really are committed to doing very, very cool things, lifting and strengthening one another, making Utah a better place, making the world a better place. Uh, so it's, it just happens to be through the vehicle of pageantry that we, that we do that. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing when you tell people that you do something like that, that their, their first reaction is usually, hmm, how did that happen? <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of was a, was an interesting way of, of a roundabout way of getting there. Um, it's, it's interesting that you, I love this whole concept of turning lemons into lemonade. Um, I have story after story. I've survived a category five hurricane. I had a husband deployed to Iraq twice for two, two years. So one year, the 15 months, the first time in a year, the second time. So we have lots of stories, but what I find interesting is kind of the situation that I'm in right now, uh, within a course of about six weeks time frame, he went from deploying for the last time and promoting and having, we had two years left and we thought that was, this was the right thing to do. Absolutely. To, he had, was diagnosed with skin cancer. He uh, was not deploying. He was retiring instead. I had COVID and our daughter had an appendectomy, like in a six week period of time. And it was the craziest whirlwind of a six weeks. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, why are we so calm with this? Like, why is, why is none of this freaking us out? Why are we why are we able to weather the storm? And looking back on it, it was all of those experiences. It was the two deployments. It was the months long separations. It was having my oldest son diagnosed with type one diabetes. It was the whole ocean, the whole notion that we had confidence in our ability to weather storms because we had weathered storms in the past. Um, And so now it's, it's kind of a strange circle of life experience because here we are, he's getting ready to, to retire. Um, I'm back in school for a second master's degree. Our life is just completely changing and it's happened very, very quickly. But I, I look back on those really difficult things that we've had to endure and 
that is what has given us confidence to be able to endure this phase of our life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We endure so that we can endure some more. <laughs> so exactly. That's what, that's exactly. What <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that I, it's, it's kind of an interesting place to be on this other side of, of having had very difficult things happen in our past to, to be able to go, okay, well, it's not having a spouse deploy when I, like 10 days after oldest son was born in 2005, that was his first deployment. And so he left the country. I was alone with an, an infant and kind of looking around, this was, this was right when the insurgency was really kicking off and he was in Baghdad. So it wasn't like he was away from the action. He was very much in the middle of, in the thick of things. And so, you know, you look at those experiences and you look at them in hindsight and it's really astounding what our capability is, what our capacity is to not only survive, but to thrive in those situations. Oh, I love that you brought that up. I love that you're able to look back. And at the time you almost don't even know how you're getting through it, but you can look back and go, wow, I did it. And I'm stronger because of it. That's the whole right. Point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think that there is power in there's, there's, there's really two things I look back on and I'm so grateful that I had them. I'm grateful that I had a friend that was going through it with me. Um, she is, she is one of, she's the sister of my heart. Absolutely. And our husbands were deployed at the same time. We both had little tiny kids and we really weathered that storm together. Um, and so I've had people at different points, these little pivot points in my life that have weathered those storms with me hand in hand, side by side, we'll figure this out and we'll get through this together. Um, but I, there's so much power in that idea of, I, I don't have the same experience as you do, but I can empathize in a very real, real time sort of situation. Oh, friends are the best friends and family, you know, that can support you and get you through stuff. Like where would we be without that? Really? Like that's a, absolutely, it's a key to survival. Uh, So right now I'm actually working on a master's degree in psychology. Uh, I, with the intent of becoming, um, I I do a certification in school counseling and clinical mental health counseling. I really think that there is, there is this vast wasteland of providers that specifically want to, to help, help kids and teens and kids like teenagers have always been my jam. They've always been my part, but like my, now that I have teenagers of my own, I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. You're so much fun. (laughs) So most people are like, ah, teenagers, but I really, really do love them. Um, and it's been interesting to me now in my forties to go back and do something like this versus having done graduate school the first time I was 20 when I started graduate school the first time and finished when I was 22. And it's an interesting thing to go back and do it now because I've learned the power of the pivot. Um, I, Angela Duckworth's book on grit is one of my all-time favorite books in the history of forever. I love it. I love her take on the whole idea of having difficult experiences and learning from those difficult experiences in order to, to have more difficult experiences. I love that concept. Now in, in middle age, um, I really understand the power of the pivot. I think we sometimes underestimate our ability to to or, or underestimate the need to pivot in certain situations. We would rather persist and have grit and, oh, nothing can stop me. I'm totally going to move forward. I've become hell or high water. I am going to kick this in a booty and I'm just going to overcome. But um, I think there's real power in pivoting away from things that no longer serve you. Uh, I loved my what I did. I loved organizational behavior and development. I loved human resource management. I really, really did. But it became apparent at this stage of my life that I needed to pivot away from it into something new. And 
it's not easy, believe me, it's not easy to sit in the graduate school classroom again and go, okay, can we move along? I like, I, I've read this, like, I know this, let's, let's move it along. And, and because I have a lot of life experience and a lot of other, other things that are contributing to that. But at the same time, I am grateful for that confidence to pivot because that's, that's not something that I would have done. I don't think 20 years ago, I don't think I would have had the courage to pivot away from a life course and say, okay, let's do something else. Oh, I love that you brought that up because that is so true. A lot of people are afraid and they just kind of stay stuck where they're not happy and not fulfilled. And so it's mm -hmm. okay in your forties to change your mind and go do something else. Yeah. That's awesome. It's okay to do it well, in your sixties or whenever you want. Yeah. Absolutely. I still have secret hope that I'll end up a surgeon in a jungle someplace that in my sixties, but that's, you know, that's might be a pipe dream. A little that's bit. awesome. That's so. great goal. Yeah, but we, I think we, especially we as Americans, we love an underdog story. We love the whole idea of conquering, conquering all and coming out the other side and, and being victorious against haters or opposers or whoever. But I think there's something to be said about recognizing when, when it no longer serves you to persist in something and when it's okay to pivot to the next thing, even if it's something that's completely outside of your comfort zone or completely outside of your realm of what you've been doing up to this point. Is that kind of how the pageant directing was as well? Was that kind of that pivot for you too? Um, and it was less so of a pivot, I think. I think okay. uh, because I had, it was definitely a step into the unknown. That's for sure. It was, it was, a, it was starting a business from scratch, uh, creating new processes, creating new procedures for contestant intake. And what do we want this to look like? What kind of culture would we want to have? And kind of molding a lot of that from square one. But uh, it, so it was definitely scary. Don't get me wrong. There was, there was nothing that was, that was, Hey, this is super comfortable. And I'm, I'm going to be a rock star at this. Uh, but at the same time, I, I view the pageants as the stepping stone to really having having the experience and having the peace of mind to, and the, the backing of so many women that have been through that kind of midlife pivot to say, okay, this is something that I definitely can do. I can, I can pivot from something that I've been very comfortable in for 20 years into something that's completely unknown. So these pageant contestants have inspired you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's a, there's a certain perception of pageant contestants. I think mm -hmm. we've all seen Miss Congeniality, which is still one of my all-time favorite movies. And we have this notion that pageant contestants, they might be a little bit more vapid. They might be a little bit self-absorbed. They might be a little bit less committed to this ideal of building other people up, that they're, they're, they're kind of this stereotypical Barbie type, but yeah. one where our pageant system is misses and our miss system even is, has a lot of single moms, a lot of divorcees, a lot of widows, but like people that have lots of life experiences. So our whole focus has been less about high heels and butt glue, although there's nothing wrong with high heels and butt glue. I mean, we obviously still use those, but, um, but it's been less about that and more about how do we empower women to take that next step? How do we enable them to, to get out of that comfort zone or whatever rut it is, or do something that scares them in order to propel them into the next thing? And it's been interesting over the years to see a lot of these women develop careers in business development, develop careers in modeling, develop careers in acting, but also develop careers in advocacy or uh, become board members of causes and, and nonprofits they really believe in. It's not necessarily that 
that they're all pretty faces, although they're all stunning and they're all gorgeous, but they're, there's so much more to them and being around them makes you want to do great things because they're all doing great things. I'm so glad you said that because it is really easy to stereotype them or look at them and think that they've got it all. And, you know, how would they know what any problems are or anything like that? And so it's great that you can humanize them and make them relatable and that they are just women. They're just moms and, and wives, and they're trying to live their days and trying to be a better person and trying to get over things that they're struggling with, just like the rest of us. And they're willing to get up there and be a voice for it and be an example to us. And I appreciate that. I've always admired the pageant scene. I've not something I could ever do, but I always look at it and think it's really amazing. And I love to see these women and, and the things they've been through and what an example they are for the rest of us. I love it. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. Well, and I think, I think it drives home the point that we all have a story. We all have something that we've overcome. We all have a story that, that we're dying to share with somebody. And our vehicle, like I said, our vehicle just happens to, to be a pageant. But when you sit down and talk to any of these women at, for any length of time and hear their stories, you really understand how interconnected we all are, that there's, there's more that unites us. There's more that, that we've had in common than what divides us. And I think we need more of that now than ever, but especially among women, because I think we have a tendency to view each it's, it's for some reason, there's something in us that, that views each other as competitive. We have to be competitive with one another. There's a scarcity of resources. And so we must be competitive with one another. Um, when in actuality, when we are, when we are not competitive or cooperative, we actually, we accomplish so much more and we're so much better together than we are individually. And it's, it, it, when you sit down with any of them for any length of time, you realize there's, there's tragic, heartbreaking, inspiring, amazing things that they've been through that they've overcome. Yeah. And they've taken the lemons and made lemonade. That's for sure. They're my perfect sure. examples of that and how they <laughs> want to make the world better. And that's, that's what I'm all about with getting the word out about that is like going through something and, and they're the voice. They're the ones willing to stand up there and try to change the world for what they see that needs changed. And that's their platform. And so I just think it's awesome that you get to direct all this and you get to be a part of this and lead these women through this opportunity. So how cool is that? I know it's the weirdest, randomest, coolest job. (laughs) It really is. Uh, But I, leading up to this point, I was in content marketing and small business development. And so I spent a lot of years working with small businesses, teaching them how to use organizational behavior and development principles to grow their business. I think a lot of times, you know, small business, small businesses as a whole are the largest employers in the United States, but oftentimes they don't understand how to leverage human resource principles like organizational behavior um, or even hiring, firing, training in order to grow their business. And so that's where I came in was to to teach some of these small business owners how to, how to do the things that larger companies have a person to do or, or an entire staff to do. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. I got to do it while my kids were young. Um, it taught me a lot about how small businesses worked, which helped in eventually in starting to direct the pageants, but it taught me about marketing. It taught me about how to use content in order to create uh, interest in your product or a service. It taught me a lot of things. It was kind of like going back to business school, uh, but it was tuition free. Like I got paid to do it. It was real life. It was, yeah. it was real life. It was all really in context. And there was granted, there was a lot higher stakes to do it, but 
but I really enjoyed it for a long time and kind of had to put a lot of that on the back burner in order to uh, to move into this next phase. Uh, I'm currently working at a middle school, which oh, wow. I love. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And a part of it, I, it was a move that was kind of happenstance a little bit, uh, like everything I fall into, I, I happened to get really lucky. And I went to work for this middle school in their music department, kind of to make sure that I really wanted to work with this population. You know, I, I knew from my kids and from the kids I've interacted with and, and in other responsibilities that I really wanted to work with teenagers. And I thought, but do I really want to work with teenagers day in and day out? Like, cause that's a, that's a little different story. Do I want to work with them when they're in a bad mood? Cause they'll probably come to me when they're in a bad mood. <laughs> do I want to, do I really want to do this? Started working at, uh, at a middle school in Box Elder County this year and have absolutely loved and adored it have loved being around those kids every day they make me laugh and they make me want to cry and you kind of run the whole hum gamut of human emotion in a single day with them but it's it's fantastic it's incredibly rewarding work my hope my dream job would be to actually work in their counseling department okay yeah you'll still work at to like, stay. yeah stay at a junior high okay Wow. That's awesome. What a good goal. Yeah. Well, we'll you see. are just a breath of fresh air. It's just so fun to talk to you. So thank you oh. for sharing this with me. Um, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing is if, if I could, if I could go back 20 years and tell myself anything, um, I would want to tell her to just relax and let it happen. I think so much of my life, I'm a type A planner, overachiever type person. And so much of the, so many of the wonderful things in my life have happened either by accident or by happenstance or by opportunity meeting preparation at the exact same time that they needed to meet. And so rather than stressing and forcing everything to happen, I think I would go back and say to myself, you know, it's going to happen. You've just got to be prepared for that for when that opportunity comes up. Oh, that's the best advice. That's super great. <laughs> Don't we all wish we could just tell ourselves like, calm the freak down. You'll be fine. Right? <laughs> uh -huh. Don't worry about it. It will all be fine. It feels like we're told <laughs> that all those years, but we don't hear it. So <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing all the time from older people like, Oh, just enjoy your kids while they're this age. They won't be this age forever. And and now that I'm a grandma, I feel like I say that to people like, oh, just enjoy your kids. You know? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to be I that swear. I swore I would never, ever say that. And I see these parents with little tiny babies and I'm like, oh, oh. they grow up so fast. I'm like, oh, shoot. Yep. I'm that age. Yeah, yep. That's yep. exactly it. We find ourselves telling them like, hang in there. It's worth it. Enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Meanwhile, that, that new mom is like, oh, stop lady. <laughs> stop right. It's like, I, it's, I always tell them it's okay to not, you're not going to enjoy every minute and that's okay. It's okay. When they're all throwing up at the same time to not enjoy that minute, it's, but there will come a time where everybody can find their own shoes and touch the bottom of the pool and you don't have teenage angst yet. And it's like, it's like this whole choir of angels sings and you suddenly have all sorts of freedom that you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, I love that. They don't believe it though, but you could tell them that no. yes, that day will yeah. come, but it feels like yeah. it never comes. And then it's a blink and it's over. And you're like, wait, did that day right. ever come? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I'm having so much angst. Oh, my oldest is a sophomore and I'm like, oh, he only has two more years. Yes. So I, every, every time he's out, like he's, he's doing things, he's, he's, 
he's doing technology classes and, and all sorts of, and I'm like, Oh, don't you just want to sit at home with me? <laughs> no, mom. Oh, that's so I want to go out to the world. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. You're at that next phase. Then the, yeah. Getting ready to go is so hard. I remember going to a therapist about it. Cause I was like, this is the worst thing ever. My son's gone, you know? And he's like, where else would you want him to be? Like you raised him to be at this place. He's finally where you have taught him to go. And now you're wanting him back home. And so I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. And so I just started appreciating the ride a little bit more and just like, it ends really fast. And people told me that all the time and I didn't believe it. Well, it seems like once you get to about 11, it's like once they hit 11, it's like everything's fast forward until the end. Yeah, It's just... Oh my gosh. There was something that happened that sixth grade year that suddenly I blinked and I have men living in my house (laughs) and eating all the food and needing to go places and do things. I'm like, what in the world? It just happened on fast forward. But it seems like when they're two, three, four, you're like, oh my gosh, the days are long and it never, they never grow up either. So there's this, there's the trade off, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, ah, okay. Now it's sped up really fast. So we can't win. It's always what we don't want. No. <laughs> so I know. Dang awesome. it. <laughs> and that's great advice that you share just embracing it and loving the moment. So that's awesome. You have a lot on your plate. I do. And how's your husband? I should pay. ask that, but how is he? Oh, it's fine. What's he, how's he doing? He's great. He's great. He's you great. You know, it was... Are you waiting until retirement? No, he ended up, he ended up having to have surgery and it, they, they were able to get it out and everything went well. He's got a scar, but you know, he keeps saying, well, chicks take scars. Yes, you're right. They do. Um, so he's got a scar and, but he's doing fantastic. And it was one of those things that you can't, you can't really attribute it to anything but divine intervention because we were dead set on, he was going to promote to the next rank. He was going to do two years. He was going to keep doing the job he was doing. I was going to be out of school by then. We can make that transition really easily. He was going to be primary parent. Like we had this whole plan in place and I kid you not six weeks within a course of six weeks, so many things happened all at once that we kind of went, okay, we get it. Like we get it. This is not our plan. Okay, fine. This is not the plan. Okay, fine. Can we, we get it. Can we move on? (laughs) It was just, there, there were so many things that happened so quickly. And so he, he had his last, he's, he's active national guard. He had his last drill weekend, uh, this last weekend. And he was just grinning from ear to ear all weekend long. He's like, this is it. This is it. Like he has all these plans that he wants. He's like, we have our weekends back. We have, we'd have the three weeks or four weeks or five weeks in the fall that he was gone. He was gone every year. He said, we get that back. We get all this time back. And so it's, he's doing phenomenally well. It could not have been the, the, it was so insignificant compared to what could have, it could have been, but that's really, that's really the only way to describe it is that there was, there was definite divine intervention going on there because it, that was not the plan. Now here we are. Yeah. And it's, and it's better, right? It's better <laughs> yeah, than what you yeah. plan. So that's the whole oh, key. Sure. And that's, that's what you're talking about. Kind of telling your younger self to just go with the flow and don't stress because yeah. things happen and you have to change course or you have to change the plan and it's okay. Absolutely. And it works better. Absolutely. Most of the time. Yeah. And you can look back well, and, and go, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, and I think we have to look back. I think we have to look back on hard experiences. I think we, sometimes we want to forget 
I know that currently the conventional wisdom, even with PTSD, if you're looking with really traumatic, hard things, it's learning how to ex re-experience those things without the trauma or to think back on those experiences without having the same physical or, or physiological reaction. Um, we have to be able to look back on those the experiences in our lives, even the really, really hard ones, to be able to have any kind of perspective on how we ended up where we are now. Um, but when we try to ignore that hindsight, or when we try to say, well, I, I, it's, I've moved past it, I've moved on, and I never want to think about it again, I think there's a lot of lost lessons there. Because we just, in our, in our haste to move on, we overlook all the things that we were meant to learn from that experience. Mm, I love that. That's great advice. Yeah. I think people do, they kind of just want to brush it away and, and move forward, but you've got to take what you've learned and take those lessons and take that, just the wisdom. You're just a different person than you were before the traumatic event. So how are you going to go forward being that right. different person? And that's okay to be that new and improved. Right. And it's okay to enlist the help of professionals to do it, Absolutely. to get to that point. I think we have this cultural expectation uh, as women, but, but here where we are, we're in the Intermountain West, we kind of have this cultural expectation that I can will it away, or if I have enough faith, it'll go away. Or if I have enough, if I pray hard enough, it'll go away. If I, if I ignore it, it'll go away. But we, we really do ourselves a disservice in, and our families a disservice when we, when we buy into that notion that our inability to move on from something is, is somehow a, a, an experience. It's somehow a lack within us. It's something that we have to do on our own. Um, I, I, I wish we could, we could normalize this whole idea of going to therapy or working with a counselor or working with a mental health professional that can help us re-examine some of those things in our life and be able to, to see them through a lens of learning rather than through a lens of, of pain. Oh, that is so true. It's like, everybody should be required to go to a therapist for a little while, right? It's like, nope, that's oh, your yeah. stage in life. You go to therapy now. You are now in your thirties. It's therapy years, you know, it's like, right. Exactly. If you want your forties to be amazing, you have to go to therapy. It's exactly <laughs> it. Like it's just a stepping stone into the next phase of life. Just go to therapy, yep. get it over with. No, I think it's yep. true though. Like people really can be benefited by doing that and they don't realize. And it feels like this hushed thing that we want, we're embarrassed or we don't want people to know, or we don't want people to judge us. And it's like, no, i I tell people all the time, well, my therapist, you know, it's like, this right. is what we need. Like we should be more open about admitting that we are getting help to be able to deal with things in our life. That's okay. Well, and we would never, we would never speak about our mechanic in hushed tones. Oh, I went to the mechanic and, and he fixed my engine. Like we would never speak about our mechanic that way. Like, why are we speaking about our therapist in these hushed tones and backroom conversations? Like yeah, that's <laughs> it's so the same true. thing. It is. We're getting fixed and we need the help yeah. and that's okay. I think it's just maybe a, I think people think that they should know better or that the therapist, what does the therapist know that I don't know? You know, I think there's kind of that part of it. I mean, there is the embarrassment of it, but I think there's also the, we beat ourselves up to like, how come I don't know this about myself and a stranger is going to be able to tell me. Right. Or what? Yeah. Why, why does talking to a stranger help me at all? Yeah. Like, well, how could that possibly work? It, sometimes, it and sometimes that's really is all it takes is just to get it off your chest to a stranger. That's non-judgmental. That's not going to sit there and try and say, well, if you had only done this, then maybe that you wouldn't be in this situation, you know, that that's not going to come from a place of, of judgment in whatever it is that you're telling them, but it's going to come from a place of, okay, 
that's how you're feeling and that's what you're thinking, then here are some tools and here are some things that you can do in order to, to progress or to, to feel better or to limit your anxiety or to whatever. Like I, it's, I think we need to talk about it more. Yeah. It's that validation you get when you talk to a therapist, you get totally validated. I see you, I hear you. And sometimes that's all it takes is to have someone who can do that for us. And other times we have to get the tools and really work through some issues and some trauma and stuff. But just knowing that person, like you said, isn't going to judge you and they see you and they hear you and they validate you is miles above what you don't realize that you could have. Like, it's an amazing concept to be able to go to therapy and get that help. Well, cool. Well, I've loved talking to you. This is amazing. So thank you for sharing your light and your knowledge and um, just everything you're doing. It's like, you've been through a lot, but you're going through more and you're making the world better. And I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you so much for letting me do this. This has been so fun. Yeah. I love to go to pageants. (laughs) It's like my whole, it is. I love to watch them on TV or go to my stage manage, you know? So I just, I love pageants. It's my way of being part of it without being actually in it. So yeah, I would love to hear about it. You're doing it this summer then. Uh, May 14th and 15th. Yay. Awesome. Mother's I know. Or something, so. <laughs> where is it held at or where, what it um, it's, to be held it's at? a pair in Ogden. So when we set the date this year, we're like, okay, come on, May, yeah. come on, May, you could come on, May. And so now it looks like we're all heading in that direction that we might be able to have, have a masked in-person audience, which is oh, really, really exciting. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I would love it. I would love to come. So that'd be cool. Well, I'm so glad to have met you and be able to catch up Me with too. you and find out all that you're doing. So thank you for taking Thanks time. Thanks so much. You're awesome. I appreciate it. You're still here. Well then click on the next episode to get more lemonade. One more day.